Welcome to the Digicom Cafe, located at the intersection of faith and technology. We hope you enjoy your cafe experience where we cater to your digital and spiritual appetites, and build interest in the amateur radio hobby, one story at a time. Please stand by as we get ready to launch this episode of, Radio on the Rocks. You are about to listen to a Cafe Cast interview that occurred on June 30th, 2019, in the Digicom Cafe Communications Network, with Danny J, KD5DLJ and his guest, Tom Medlin, W5KUB of Collierville, Tennessee. Tom is well known for his Helmet Cam video live stream from Hamvention for the last 17 years, where he brings Ham Radio to you. Come on into the cafe, Tom. Sure good to, to have you visiting us here in the Digicom Cafe. Let's sit down at the table here and let us take a closer look at uh, at you and how you got into the hobby. How long have you been a ham, Tom? Hey, uh, Denny. Uh, thanks for having me in your uh, cafe here. Uh, my call is W5KUB, Kilo Uniform Bravo. I've been a ham about 55 years now, going on 56. I uh, got my license in 1964 as a novice. Age, age 16, age 16, and got my novice. I was in a little town, about 900 people, no other hams there, nobody there to help you study. You know, I uh, basically uh, uh, was a shortwave listener and got interested in, in ham radio. No CB for you? No, I never was in CB uh, uh, at most, all. Most of our most of our folks come from CB. You're like yeah. me. I didn't. I didn't start out with CB. Yeah, of course I played with the CB uh, a little bit uh, from time to time. I mean, some of the family members had it. Uh, I repaired it. I had a first-class uh, license, and I did some repair work and stuff. You know, as as I was uh, maturing, you know. But I never was uh, in into CB. I like uh, I, I mentioned. I I was a ham from age 16, so. All my stuff was uh, ham radio from 16 on. What year was that? That was 1964. Okay. Well, I got mine in 1967. I was 17, so we're pretty close. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What did well, you, you start know, out with? You know, what the, uh, what, what I was, what I, where I was so lucky was my uncle was a TV repairman. He was about the, I guess he was the only TV repairman in the entire county. And um, I would go up there when I was five years old and take parts out of the trash can, you know, and <laughs> play with them and pull the wire off of them and things like that. So that kind of got me started. Uh, and then in my later years, I, you know, back in the 60s, we did a lot of building of ham radio equipment, especially okay. with transmitters. We'd only run 75 watts, crystal control and so forth. But uh, at his TV shop, he had about 100, maybe 200 junk TVs, and they were all out of the cases and turned up. And anytime we needed a part for anything, we just take the cutters and go up and down the aisles and cut out resistors or, or pots or transformers or capacitors, whatever we wanted. So it was like, you know, it was like I I, I was uh, in a well, I was in a radio supply shop. Anything I needed, I had back then. Didn't have to buy a single part and did a lot of building over the years. I think that's what got me into it. I uh, I started listening to shortwave on an old Zenith radio. Uh, man, I wish I still had it. You know, it was about four foot tall, about three foot wide. It had a big round dial on the front. 
and uh, uh, I would tune in people on shortwave. I was listening listening to some riverboats and people going up and down the Mississippi River. And then I would listen to uh, stations like, uh, you know, Radio Moscow, Radio Havana, Cuba, Quito, Ecuador, and stuff like that, and really got interested in getting getting my ham license. So I got the novice license, and uh, it was all uh, fun since then, you know. And then later on, you know, I went on went on to college later and uh, a degree in uh, uh, electrical engineering. And then um, uh, I had my, my first class radio telephone license with uh, ship radar endorsement. Um, I uh, then went into the Air Force. I was in the Air Force for four years. Tried to remain active on ham radio all this time. Um, and um, let's see. Um, and then uh, my last uh, 35 years, basically, with, was with FedEx. I managed their international telecommunications, and I was responsible for all their data systems and networks and computer systems and radio systems, telephone systems, and those kind of things. Uh, during that time, I joined the uh, IEEE and uh, became a member of the IEEE. And then uh, a few years later, uh, I became a senior member of the IEEE. Um, so radios, kind of radio and communication, electronics has been my life, uh, probably all you know, all my life. So would you say that amateur radio really helped direct your career? Oh yeah, I mean amateur radio is what got me uh, in into anything I I, I do. I mean it, it you know, uh, at FedEx I was responsible for all the radio systems and repeater systems worldwide, you know, outside of the United States, and I was always traveling in Europe or Asia or. Latin America, and and I was responsible for radio systems. And I bet you uh, use radio when you're traveling too, then to communicate. Uh, well, you know, I, I didn't take any radio gear with me when I traveled like that. Um, but um, yeah, it, it, the hobby did help me there, um, and uh, my electronics background definitely helped me. Uh, in addition to radio, so it all just kind of fell together. Um, and now it, look uh, where you're at too. It looks like what you're doing now in your retirement years is uh, kind of like what I'm doing. You're taking all the things that you've learned in your career and your past, and and pulling out all the stuff you love to do to create this uh, other avenue of communication. Tell us about what you're doing now. Well, you know, we have been for uh, about 18 years now. We have been webcasting major ham radio events on W5KUB.com. And, and uh, our biggest one is the Hamvention, the Dayton Hamvention. We've been doing it for 17 years. So we'll stream for, uh, we'll stream, uh, actually we stream our drive up there. We have a 10 hour drive. It's live streaming. We get there, uh, we stream from up there. Uh, we give out about $10,000 in prizes to uh, our viewers. Uh, we've got a little automated program that will randomly pick names from people that are logged in. And if he calls your name, you might win an antenna analyzer or a mobile rig or an HT or a HF antenna. You know, who knows? But uh, in fact, this this year, we just had a 50-hour Hamvention Marathon uh, webcast. We streamed 50 hours uh, uh, this year. Uh, and uh, we'll be doing the Huntsville Ham Fest in August. That's in about six weeks. We'll be giving away thousands of prizes again. And people can watch that on W5KUB.com. Uh, and uh, we have a chat room there. 
where you can log into the chat room and, and you can actually type directly to us or you can talk to other people around the world that are watching at that time. Um, about four years ago, we started up a, um, uh, a weekly ham radio show. It's called Amateur Radio Roundtable. Uh, and it's also seen on W5KUB.com. And we uh, have some great uh, co-hosts, uh, people such as Katie Allen uh, from uh, Sundance, uh, Wyoming. We have Dave Kessler on there. We have uh, Hashnazi, uh, Jason Johnston, uh, uh, YouTube 2.0 is on there quite a bit with us. Um, I have an astronaut friend, Doug Wheelock, that uh, has been with us uh, of the last seven years in Dayton as a co-host and he occasionally gets on our show with us so in addition to our chat room where you can actually talk to us we can see uh, see you directly communicating with us during the show or you can talk to other people uh, we uh, also have a phone you know our phone system where we can take uh, uh, viewers calls live and we can uh, we have um, local numbers in 65 countries so we were just playing around uh, uh, this weekend, and we brought the webcast up, and we kind of got a little roundtable going. People uh, started watching, and we had a, uh, a viewer from Australia call in. So local numbers in 65 countries, telephone. We also uh, simulcast our audio uh, on uh, a very famous international shortwave station, WBCQ, out of Monticello, Maine, on 5130. And they have a number of frequencies there. And uh, it, it's a uh, the WBCQ is a very uh, interesting uh, history behind it. Uh, the owner there is Alan Weiner, and Alan was one of the original pirate stations. You may not know this, but uh, uh, he is one of the guys that actually he bought like a 400 foot ship, and they pulled it out outside of New York and put the tower and radio gear, and they. They had Radio New York International on up there, and, and it was on every news channel uh, back then, all the national national news channels. And uh, uh, finally, the FCC and the Coast Guard and uh, uh, the FBI went out there and shut him down. And uh, <laughs> we're going to have him on the show this Tuesday talking about that. And uh, I've got video of carrying him off in handcuffs and all that. They actually dropped the charges uh, uh, after they took the ship and stuff. They dropped the charges. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Alan, uh, after that, Alan went straight. He, he now has licensed uh, uh, FCC licensed stations like WBCQ, uh, shortwave on a number of frequencies. And he's got some AM and FM stations and even a TV station. And he's just finished a, a massive super station. It's going to be probably the, the most powerful shortwave station in the country, maybe even in the world. 500,000 watts and wow. uh, a rotatable a rotatable beam antenna uh, up there. And it's the only one in the U.S. And it was built by a European company. So, hey, man, there's so much going on. I can't t talk about it yeah. all. Man. Is yeah. he a ham, too? No, you know, Alan never, he's an engineer and he builds equipment and he builds his transmitters and he never, ever got his ham license. But uh, I guarantee you, he, he knows his stuff. Yeah, very cool. So now you made a transition into video. What uh, what got you moving in that direction? Because that takes a lot of resources and 
internet speed and stuff to do that well. Yeah, well, you know, we start, uh, we started streaming live video, uh, as I mentioned earlier, about 17 or 18 years ago. Uh, and our first real stream was was uh, the Dayton Hamvention. But we just had an idea one night that, um, you know, I took, a hell, I took a hard hat and I mounted a little uh, Logitech GoPro on top of it. And uh, I thought, you know, we could stream on the internet with this. Now, back then, your internet connections, 18, 20 years ago, your internet connections were very, very slow. Yeah, you probably know what I'm, I'm talking about there. So yeah. it wasn't great quality, but we did that. We wore the helmet cam, and we're known for the helmet cam. In fact, if you'll go to uh, hamvention.org, you know, the Hamvention page, go down to the bottom of the page, you'll see a link to us, and they call us the helmet cam guys. Yeah, but, uh, but uh, you know, so we wore that a while, and um, the problem was uh, those cameras weren't very fast back then. And as you turn your head, you know, everything would get blurry. And of course, the speeds of the internet are slow, and it would get blurry. And people were actually getting uh, seasick watching it. So we had to quit <laughs> doing that. And later, you know, things started getting better. We started getting very high-speed internet. Uh, we went to tripods. We went to, you know, nice cameras. Uh, you know, we've, we've now expanded our show to have, you know, like 20-channel uh, uh, audio mixers and, and uh, all kinds of things uh, here that, uh, you know, make, uh, make the show very much more professional. And uh, so, so about 17 years ago, it started off as a helmet cam. We kind of moved into more of a steady cam after that. And then after that, uh, as we went more of a, a regular show every Tuesday, we actually went more of a studio type operation where we have uh, equipment, you know, mounted in our studio and mixers and and wireless systems and various camera shots and so forth. We use a lot of green screen. We can be anywhere we want to. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, our show, uh, uh, we do a lot of neat things on our show. Um, about three years ago, and all, all of our shows, we've got 650-something shows recorded uh, on our channel. But uh, we, we try to do some interesting things that no one else does. For instance, uh, about uh, three years ago, uh, our friend, uh, John Amadeo, the producer of uh, ABC TV show Last Man Standing, wanted us to come out to L.A. So they took us out to L.A. to stream a special event off the stage there at the studio. And and uh, the people there at ABC, they built us a, a set. It looks just like uh, Last Man Standing. Uh, uh, they built us a set, and they gave us pretty much carte blanche to just go around and, and visit and look at everything. And... And uh, we webcasted from there. I actually uh, met Tim Allen uh, while I was there. And Tim had just got his ham license, and he didn't want anyone to know it. And um, we, uh, I talked him into letting us break the news on our show there that he has got, it, got his license. So that's, that's one example. Another example, our friend uh, astronaut Doug Wheelock uh, has been with us quite often. And uh, he was, in, he was uh, the director of... Uh, NASA in Russia for, for about six months, and we had shows where we brought him in from Russia, from Star City, Russia, into our uh, a weekly webcast. Uh, another thing, and some of these shows take a long time to plan, we, uh, we plan for over a year to have the Heard Island de-expedition on our show. Now, uh, Denny, are you familiar with Heard Island? I mean, it's been a couple years. Uh, have you ever yes. heard of it? 
Yes, they were pretty difficult to work. Uh, they were the conditions down there were really bad, and there was a mountain or a volcano that blocked the signal to the U.S. and it was really pretty bad. But we planned with them, with Dr. Bob, to bring them into our live show three Tuesday nights in a row from almost Antarctica, and we did that. We brought them in, and on the third show, we had them go outside the tent. You can see the volcano in the background. You can see the penguins out there. That was uh, that was cool. So that's the kind of stuff we try to do on our show. Uh, we we've done recently. We've done some balloon launches, and uh, uh, we're working with uh, Bill Brown, who's the uh, master of high altitude balloons. And and uh, we're going to launch another one here pretty soon. We launched one about a month ago. It didn't quite make it around the world. And when I say launch a balloon, we're talking about a party balloon. This is a mylar three foot party balloon. And uh, it has a, 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 a sky tracker on it that he built, which is a, a GPS, and also it has the uh, Whisper and the uh, APRS on it. So we launched that balloon, and we watched it. It went 14,000 miles in 14 days. We There is no APRS tracking over Africa or over the ocean, so we lost it for about a week, and then it popped back up over China. As it had gone around, it went over China, then it hit, went over uh, Japan, and then it hit a storm. And I was watching it every two minutes. I was getting an altitude reading, and it went from 31,000 feet down to like 8,000. I thought we were going to lose it. It was going up and down in that storm. And then finally, uh, we lost contact with it uh, uh, for, for a number of reasons. One is it has no battery. It's solar only and it was getting nighttime. So we didn't know if it went down in the storm or if it just went into nighttime, but it never showed up again. So it only made it 14,000 miles. Uh, we're gonna be launching in the next two or three weeks and we'll cover it on our show on W5KUB.com. We'll be, we'll be launching a, a super duper balloon. It's made out of sushi wrap. Now this is what they wrap sushi in, but uh, there's a scientific balloon company now making balloons out of sushi wrap. And we'll uh, have hydrogen in that, and we will um, uh, we will we will switch from APRS over to Whisper. A Whisper transmitter will transmit about 7,000 miles. So if it's over the ocean or if it's over Africa, where there's no APRS, we'll still be able to track it because it'll be heard in Europe, it'll be heard in the U.S., it'll be heard in Australia. So we should still get some very good tracks with that. And that balloon will be designed to fly between 41,000 and 43,000 feet the entire time uh, it's up there. Wow. So that's the kind of stuff we do on a show. Man, I, I, I'm just so excited about this aspect of ham radio uh, that we're able to bring all these different kind of things in, you know, uh, to, yeah. to, to the show about ham radio and let people know about them. Well, I was going to ask you... Uh... Why do you do what you do? But I can tell you why you do what you do. It's You're having fun. You know, I am having fun, but like you, it takes time to plan all this stuff. I, I spend about three days a week trying to line up guests for the show, trying to advertise the show, uh, getting things ready, uh, you know, for the show, load, load up video clips, load pictures and stuff and so forth. So I'll spend some time doing that. Uh, but... I, I like it, you know, and, and I retired six years ago, and if I, I, you know, I don't play golf, so I don't have a lot of other hobbies, so uh, if I wasn't doing this, I would really probably 
uh, be real down, you know. So yeah. th this has helped me a lot. I know the same way with you. One question I like to ask people is, can you imagine your life without amateur radio? Well, you know, ham radio has changed so much in, as you know, in 50 plus years. Uh, I was on the band today and uh, like 40 meters, basically it looked dead. But I can tell you, the, the, the band is not dead. Uh, if you, you, you can find people that will pop on there and they'll have a 20 over signal, you know, out of Colorado. But just nobody else is talking. I think people are just not getting on it. Now, if I look at the band scope, I'll see a lot of digital stuff, and that's how I know the band's open. I can see, uh, you know, FT8 and stuff like that down in the CWN. I can see it running. Oh, so yeah. I know the band is open, but there's nobody talking on it. Nobody calls CQ anymore. That's right, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, you have sure done a lot to enhance the hobby and make it fun and uh attract some young people i congratulate you for that you're sure making it fun and exciting it it is fun it really is tiring but it is fun you know and, <laughs> and i've got to i've got to start to work right now on gathering up prizes for uh we're only six weeks away from the huntsville hemp fest i gotta round up about eight or ten thousand dollars in prizes to give our viewers out there now how and, can uh, you afford that well, I don't. Uh, I, I've got I've got uh, certain companies that donate those prizes to us, and uh, uh, I, I'm not even a middleman. And I tell them, I said, don't send it to me. It's a lot of them want to send it to me, and then me ship it to whoever the winner right. is. I says, I don't even want to be the middleman and to keep things honest. Uh, you know, no need shipping this thing twice. Uh, when the show's over, I'll give you the name of the winner, the address. And you ship it directly uh, to them. So it's worked out very well for us. We've been doing it for 17 years now, and. You know, we've got uh, some some great uh, sponsors that uh, that donate those prizes. Well, that's wonderful, and uh, I'm just getting started with my Radio on the Rocks Cafe cast. I just started this idea a little over a year ago, the Radio on the Rocks podcast. I've only been doing it for about three months. I've already got uh, over 60 episodes, all just very relaxed personal interviews with hams of uh, notoriety and many just the common people and how they got into the hobby. And uh, it's starting out real slow. Was it like that for you too? When did it start taking? Yeah, out? you know, you know, it, it, here's here's the thing, and and I'm so glad that I'm in your cafe today, and how we were talking about mutually promoting each other, because we're not in competition. We want to help each other and get the word out about ham radio. Our motto on Amateur Radio Roundtable is uh, bringing ham radio to you, and we do that because there there are so many people. They, they can't go to these ham fests. You know, there's the 15-year-olds the, the that got their license. They can't even drive. They can't, they can't drive, you know, 500 or 1,000 miles. They don't have the money or there's people working or there's people that are sick. There's just many reasons people can't go to these things, and we try to bring that ham radio to them and make them feel like uh, they're a part of the, the experience and win prizes and everything. In fact, your chances of winning a prize – uh, through our webcast is is probably hundreds of times greater than if you went to uh, the Dayton Hambitch and put a ticket in the uh, in a barrel, you know. <laughs> well, you know, I so. did it through your uh, your program. I went on your talk on your uh, chat room and I tried to win something, but I never quite made it. And I watched for hours. <laughs> well, you know, I, I tell you, yeah, uh, Hambot picks the name, and uh, yeah, he's a software program we developed, and let me tell you, I, I've been giving away 17 years, the Hambot's never picked my name yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that would be a conflict of interest, so. 
Yeah. But, you know, you, you're asking about how to get the word out. Statistics show we've had viewers in 150 countries. And I can I, I have statistics that show just one uh, a Hamvention event. Now, we're, we're live for like four days solid. Uh, we, we, the statistics show we had over 50,000 unique hams follow us uh, for that show over that four days. But here's the deal. We're well-known. We're well-known uh, around the world with our show. But I can go right here in Memphis to the Memphis Field Day and talk to people out there and ask them if they know about the show. And probably two people out of ten even know about our show here locally. So it's it's up to me and you and others. we got to get the word out about ham radio and, 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 and how well now you can – you can get this information about ham radio through social media now. But yeah. uh, I would be honored if I would uh, be able to consider you a promotional partner here in the cafe. I, we would love to. And you know what? Uh, what we need to do also, Denny, is have you on a show one night. The show's booked up this week. We'll bring you in as a remote guest on Skype, and we'll talk about uh, Digicom Cafe. I just would love to do cross-promotional stuff with all of you and help bring more attention from our group to yours and vice versa. I think that'd be awesome for the hobby. Well, let's, uh, let's try to get you on in the next couple of weeks, two or three weeks. If, uh, if you uh, have some open time on a Tuesday night, you bet. I've always okay. got time. I'm retired too. And like I say, yeah. I'm just getting started, but I know the work that goes into it. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, look, Oh, Hey, I just want to tell everybody again, this is exciting, man. And there's a lot of content here. I mean, a lot of neat stuff going on, and uh, I, let me throw out my Facebook group. We've got 7,700 hams in our Facebook group, and the Facebook group is called, just search for W5KUB, that's Whiskey 5 Kilo Uniform Bravo. Search for that in the little search box on Facebook. Join our Facebook group and, and be a member of that. Our shows are all on W5KUB.com. You can find us on uh, uh, YouTube, but but it's easier if you just go to w5kub.com and uh, click on uh, video and chat, and uh, you'll see the, the little video window pop up. You'll see uh, a place you can log in on the, the, the chat room there. Uh, and, and, and join us. We'd love to have you uh, put a little sticky note on your computer to watch the show. It's 8 o'clock. Amateur Radio Roundtable is at 8 p.m. Central Time on w5kub.com well that'd be awesome and we'll definitely promote it on our group and uh i wonder if you're like me do you have trouble sleeping at nights coming up with crazy ideas and is there anything down the pike that you haven't really talked about that you're thinking about doing well i sleep pretty pretty well at night <laughs> uh, I, I do think about the show sometimes i'll wake up sometime early in the morning and I'll think about it. One thing I'm working on right now is uh, we're going to be getting our show on uh, public a access TV. Cool. So uh, our weekly show will be on uh, public a access TV. And uh, I woke this, this morning I was laying in bed thinking, now, uh, okay, I need to send this guy an email, and I, I really need to tell him this and tell him this and yeah. all the all the great things we did, you know, and and how you know we really. You know, a ham radio might sound boring to a lot of people on public TV because many people <laughs> don't know what it is. But, uh, yeah. you know, we have some interesting things. We've had, uh, when the earthquake was in Nepal back a few years ago, 
we were the first people to actually have boots on the ground and a live report from ham radio operators live through video through Skype into our show on Tuesday night from Nepal. And uh, so we do that. Uh, we, you know, the astronaut stuff, the uh, NASA, the um, the prizes. Just, I mean, you know, it's just it's just fun, just everywhere. And we have started up a 40 meter net. Um, a lot of our viewers wanted to try to get together and just talk on HF. So uh, I picked a spot up in a general band on uh, 7180 every Tuesday uh, evening at 5:30 p.m. Central. We have a 40-meter net, and we'll have 30 or 40 check-ins. Cool. So that's prior, that's prior to our show. And, uh, you know, I'm not a digital guy, DMR, D-Star, all that stuff. I played a little D-Star years ago, but I, uh, um, I, I've, I've got me a DV Mega cast. And, oh, uh, yeah. We had Rudin Hoos on our program once. We had a breakfast club, and they did a presentation on that radio yeah. uh, last year. Yeah, so that will do D-Star, uh, D, uh, DMR, D-Star, and Fusion. All you, you just touch the touchscreen there and go go with it. That, that's what I want, something simple, you know. Yeah. And uh, we've got our own talk group. Amateur Radio Roundtable has our own talk group at 31693. 31693 is our talk group called Amateur Radio Roundtable. We don't have much going on with it there. I wish we could get a little bit more activity going on it. Yeah. Uh, and let's see what else. You know, I'm an antenna builder. Uh, I took my tower down years ago. <clears throat> I'm an antenna builder and antenna experimenter uh, mainly, and uh, uh, we got a lot of wire antennas out. I love wire antennas. We are big users of the pionosphere, is what I call it, the Raspberry Pi using the internet. Uh, uh-huh. Boy, you can do so much with an inexpensive little Raspberry Pi. With some of these hotspots that are come out, uh, oh, you can do all kinds of bridging and uh, all the different modes uh we're, we're really into the digital side of things it's yeah. less expensive you don't have to worry about antennas it's great for older people that are retired that don't have uh, the space for antennas uh we're just really loving it so maybe uh, we'll get to encourage you to come over on zello sometime and join us in the digicom cafe we got three channels one two and three are voip only so hams and non-hams can gather together and talk and uh, we can help them out and then we have one that is our digicom cafe dash link which is bridge to dmr d star fusion peanut all star link uh team speak <laughs> all bridge I, don't, I don't know how you do it with all those cafes because this is it's like you own a city it's well like it's a, it's like you got a cafe on every <laughs> block man well it's like going to a buffet we have a yeah. digital buffet. In fact, we're also on Amazon on the Echo Dot. We've got two uh, skills over there. One is called Ham Buffet, very fitting. Uh, and the other one is called Radio on the Rocks, which is uh, all of my cafe casts. And you will be on the top of the list when I'm done here. Well, but cool. uh, you just all you have to do is tell uh, Alexa, open Ham Buffet, and she'll respond and uh, ask if you want to see the menu. And she'll go down the list and explain explain all the different features we have and explain how to join us through that particular mode. And then it'll actually start playing the live feed of all of our conversations on our system, along with the radio in the background when it's quiet. So a lot of things we're doing too, but anyway, I'm sure I'm honored that uh, you're uh, here in the cafe with us, telling us your story. You've really contributed an immense amount of material and excitement to to our hobby. 
and uh, we're looking forward to seeing uh, what you're going to do in the next couple of years, and maybe we can work right beside you. Yeah, let's work together, and let's get you on a show here in a couple of weeks. Looking forward to it. Love it. Thank you so much, Tom. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to this radio on the Rocks Cafe cast. Visit our website at digiconcafe.com to see our extensive digital buffet menu and listen to all of the live conversations on our Cafe O Nice stream or this and many more episodes of our Cafe cast. Is there somebody that you know that's trying to get their ham ticket? Trying to ham test online. It's easy. There's no drudgery to it. There's no dread to it. And right now you can get the technician exam study guide that's normally $29.95. And right now during this sale price, it's only $19.95. That's right. That's the technical study guide for the tech license for ham test online. Now, let them log into ham test online and let them follow the program study guide. They'll get their ticket in a matter of a few days. Right now, the price is reduced to $19.95. So get online. And if you've already got all of your tickets, then ham it forward by buying this study program for someone who's trying and wants to get into ham radio. HamTestOnline.com. That's HamTestOnline.com.